All right, we've been studying uh, spiritual gifts, and last week was I, I got reports that it was the most boring live stream service we've ever done because uh, we we were giving you all a, uh, a survey and you were sitting there filling the survey out, and a lot of the people who were watching online had already filled out their survey, and so they were kind of watching and yawning while you were still doing your homework. They'd already done their homework, and they were wondering why you hadn't done yours. But that's all right. We'll just, we'll just move on from there. But from that, we were able to kind of discern that we all have a spiritual gift. And uh, the idea of ministry is to take whatever it is that God has gifted you to do and to use it for the, the ministry of the entire church, to help the entire church body. We're all part of the body. and We all have to do our part to make the body function properly. And some parts of the body are very visible, uh, like faces, right? Everybody sees that and they know, okay, that's who that is. But you know, we need a liver a lot more than we need a face. And those are things that we don't know much about, but they're there. We know they're there. We hope we have one. If not, the doctors are going to tell us we need an operation, you know. And uh, we're not going to be around very long. So there's parts of our body that nobody ever sees, but they're very important to the overall health of the, of the body physically. And in the church, there are a lot of people that serve behind the scenes and nobody knows who they are or very few people know who they are. And the only time we ever really hear about them is when they're hurting. And uh, we, we just need to be aware that there are a lot of different gifts, a lot of different abilities that God has given. Let's go back to our definition of ministry that I asked you to memorize. I'm curious if any of you did and if you could quote it for me. I don't know that that's possible or not. Uh, but let's, uh, let's just read there on top of page two, the ministry definition. You really ought to get this down because it will help you to get a grasp of the whole concept of what ministry is. Ministry takes place when divine resources, that's what we're talking about, the spiritual gifts that God gives to each of us. And then there are financial gifts and there are other gifts that God gives that enable us and empower us and, and, and give us the ability to do ministry. We can't do ministry unless God gives us the ability to do it. So ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs. And we'll get to that study a little bit later. And then through loving channels, and that's using our spiritual gifts and the other uh, things that God provides for us to use in ministry. And we do it all for the glory of God. Read that together with me out loud. Ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. A short way of saying that is we do everything for the good of others and the glory of God. That's what we're doing when we go into ministry. And so all of those things are very, very important. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 to 6, down in the middle of page 2. It says, just as we have many members in one body... And all the members do not have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to, each of, to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. Down in the bottom right hand picture, side, there's a, there's a picture there of God. It's an it's a, it's a artistic picture of God creating Adam. And you remember in the story and in, in, in the record in Genesis chapter 1, how God reached down into the dust of the ground and he shaped Adam into the being that he was. And then he leaned over and breathed the breath of life into him. 
Now, we weren't created that way. We went through our mother's womb to get here, didn't we? But just the same, Job talks about God forming us inside our mother's womb. When we were still in secret, God was making us and putting us together. And he knew before you were born, and I think before the foundation of the world, what you were going to be like, and he had a plan for you. And he equipped you the way he wanted you to be. He gave you the personality that he wanted you to have. He gave you the physical body that he wanted you to have. He made you male or female. That's God's business. That, that is something that God takes care of. That's not your choice. And, and, and all of these things were set up before you were born. God had it all set up. It's in your DNA. It's in the very fiber of who you are. And among those things, when you become a believer, God also gives you something beyond personality. He gives you a spiritual gift. And yours is different than anybody else's. And the Bible talks in other places about people who have five gifts and some who have ten talents and some who have one. And we don't know exactly how many each one each person has. But we have spiritual gifts that we need to use. And if you're a multi-talented, multi-gifted person, you've got a lot of responsibility. If you have one talent, one, one gift, you still have one, a lot of responsibility with that one to use that for the glory of the Lord. And to do the best that you can with what God has made you to be. And we're not to be envious of somebody else's gifts. We're simply just to use the ones that God gave us. God made me the way he made me. God made you the way he made you. There's no shame in how God made you. You were created by the perfect, holy, wonderful, loving God to be what he wants you to be. And then you have a responsibility to do the best that you can with what he made you out to do. All right, so let's look at the next page. We're all part of this body of Christ with unique functions that make the entire body function properly. We have to have all of this or there's something missing. And when there's something missing, other parts of the body have to overcompensate and maybe not work as well as it could if everything was working properly. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 on page 3 there says, The body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body, it's not for this reason any less part of the body. If the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he desired. So who put us where? God put us where he wants us to be, all right? Nobody made you this way. Nobody else made you this way. God made you the way he wanted you to be, and he puts you where he wants you. And I think he puts you in the church he wants you in to use the gifts and talents that you have. Verse 19, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If they were all one member, where would the body be? Can you imagine one big eyeball rolling down the street? That would be frightening, wouldn't it? That's what they make monster movies about, right? Um, if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now are there many members, now, but now are there many members, but one body, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. The little toe is a necessary thing. The, toe, the big toe is a necessary thing. Go without it for a little while and you'll see. Verse 23, and those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become much more presentable, 
whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God is so, has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care one for another. And you see that picture there. you got a picture there with a heart, and it looks like a, 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 a lung system and a, and a digestive system. Then you got the bone system, and then you got the... the, uh, the pulmonary system i guess whether where your blood goes through your whole body all of those things are important we don't want to look at a lot of these things i don't really want to see your veins and i want to i don't really want to see your kidneys i don't want to see your lungs i'm just not interested in them i uh, woke up one time during the middle of an examination and saw things parts of my body on a tv screen that i never want to see again you know i've been there we don't we don't want to be in those situations those are some things that we need but we don't necessarily want to look at them all of us have a part in this thing, and it's important. All right, so it's important that you know God's will for your life. I can't tell you what that is. That's something the Holy Spirit has got to, got to inform you of. I've done what we can to give you a, a survey and, and then a way to, to score and then a way to graft it. I've done these things several different times. And every time I do them, they're a little bit different, but in general, it's the same way. There's a few strength, things get stronger, other things get weaker, depending on how much you use them, just like your muscles, right? It's, you, if you have a gift, you need to exercise it to make it stronger so that you can be more effective in the ministry that God gives you. And so you need to know what God's will is for your life, and then you need to make up your mind and, and have the character to say, all right, I will use it. It may not be the gift I want. Well, you can have a pity party or you can just embrace God's will. And you'll be much happier if you just embrace God's will because otherwise you're going to have to work doubly hard and you're still not going to be as effective as you could be if you just use the gift God gave you. All right? Some ministries like preaching are more visible. Uh, others are less visible, like sitting in the nursery. People don't like to do some of those less visible things. They want to be, some people like to be up front. Some of you be terrified to be up front. At the same time, find the gift that God has for you and use it for him. But without each part of the body performing, the body suffers, okay? So determine that you're going to use what you want. Let's go to the next, uh, new, use what God gave you. Page four. <coughs> Pardon me. Spiritual gifts. <coughs> Excuse me. This comes from a. Another, uh, another survey that I had taken earlier on, and I was reading, reading through some things that I've done in the past, and I thought this was a good way of defining things. Spiritual gifts are supernatural motivations given to every believer. Who, who gave it to them? God gave it to you, right? Everyone doesn't receive the same gift. Just as many parts of the human body work together as one, so spiritual gifts are given to the body of Christ to serve together as one. So the goal is to be unified as we use these gifts. And, uh, and we're going to get to that in just a minute. The purpose is to encourage and mature Christians for more effective ministry. Okay, so we all have these different gifts. And frankly, we kind of rub against each other once in a while. And sometimes we irritate each other because I don't understand you and you don't understand me. And why are, why are you that way? Well, that's the way God made them. And we have to learn to accept people that way. Okay? Psalm 139, verse 14, in the middle of page 4, says this. I will give thanks to you, God, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
That's embracing the way God made you. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. I love Psalm 139. You should read through that. The Bible talks about how God knows every time you stood up and every time you sat down today. I don't know how many times I stood up or sat down today. I don't know, but God knows. God's paying attention, and he made me a certain way. He loves me, and he wants to use me in the way that he made me. And so it's important that we understand that and embrace the will of God. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. So the Lord is the one who gave us these things. He's the one who made us the way we are. I've got to drill that into you. Because I know some people that live their entire lives with this inferiority complex. And they always feel like a second-class Christian. Or they always feel like they're not so important. And that, or that what they're doing is not that, not that uh, important to the, to the work of Christ. But it is. It is. Whether it's working and uh, taking out the trash or, or cleaning, a, cleaning a restroom or preaching a sermon. They all, in the will of God, are what God's will is uh, for the individuals involved. So God knows exactly what he had in mind when he created you, and he put us together. And we're supposed to be working together like puzzle pieces that kind of fit together to make a beautiful picture. You get the idea here? So when you look at somebody who's got a different gift, you go, I don't understand them. I don't really like them. I don't want to be around them. Get over that. Just get over it. And understand that God made them the way they are. And understand that they have a place. And it may not be the same thing that you're supposed to be doing, but let them do what God wants them to do, and you do what God wants you to do, right? All right, so let's take a look at some definitions here. We gave you that long list that we, in, that, in that test that we gave you, or that survey that we gave you. And, I th- and I've, I've had some people come to me afterwards and say, I don't know what to do with this. Well, I think maybe by defining some of these terms, it will help you to then start to get a grasp on it. You know, I can't tell you what it is that God's called you to do. All I can do is say, if you come to me as your pastor and say, I, I have a desire to do this, then I can look at it and say, how can I help this person fit into that role or something like that that will use their strength? And I want to help you do that, but uh, I want you to understand what it is that, that the Lord's beginning to stir your heart to do, okay? All right, so leadership. We got this on t- top of page five here. Leadership, and we're going to break these things down into words and then give you some strengths and then go through these definitions a little bit. But a leader is kind of a catalyst. It's the kind of the person who gets things started. And a lot of times leaders get things started and then they don't have a clue where they're going after that. They need some other help with that. You know what I'm saying? Let's go. Where are we going? I don't know. But we're going someplace, right? And so they have this... uh, they're comfortable making judgment calls. They're comfortable making the, making the call on the shot. Sometimes they shoot from the hip. And so they're not, they're, they, they have no, they have no uh, lack of confidence when it comes to making a decision. And uh, if they're following the Lord, they'll make good decisions. If not, they can, you, can, you can get in the flesh and make, make personal decisions that are, that are kind of dangerous sometimes. So, and there's an arrogance that can settle in with a, someone who's in a leadership position. I've seen this in pastors. I've seen this in evangelists. I've seen this in a lot of different people in the business world where they, they rise to a position of leadership and then their head swells huge. And, uh, and then they think that everything they do is great and that anything anybody else does is just, they're, they're kind of like to be stomped on. 
um, and and be and 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 if it's their idea, it's the only good one, and anybody else's ideas are not so good. Well, we need leaders like that because they do get things going, and we want people like that. And uh, there's nothing nothing harmful about that. We have to have them. They're the guy in that picture. They're the guy who's yellow who says, "Okay, this is the way we're going. Let's go." Because a lot of people don't know where to go. A lot of people don't know which which direction to take. And uh, but a leader who walks with the Lord and is following the Holy Spirit's light leading and is faithful to the Word of God, they're the ones that can take people to great places. These are people like Moses. These are people people like like Paul and Peter and David. Great leaders that we see in the scriptures who help people to get from one place to the other because they are walking with God. They know what God wants. And as long as they're walking with God, they're tremendous tools. Uh, when they get out, get in the flesh, they can be a real, real problem. Leaders tend to be, look in the middle of that page, or middle of that paragraph about leaders. They tend to be loud, opinionated, and confident. And some people don't like them. But we need them. And it's important that we have them. Then there is that next gift, administration. This is also sometimes tied in with leadership. And uh, it's ability to organize things and to make things happen. The leader says, this is where we're going. And the administrator steps in and says, okay, this is how we're going to get there. And, and they put together plan, part, part A, part B, part C. And we're going to do this first and then this first and then this first. And this is how it's going to look. And all of this stuff, this is when we're going to do it. And, uh, and then they kind of make all these things set together. Administrators step out front and say, follow me. The leader said this is where we're going. I'm going to go with him. Now you go with me and let's all go. And, uh, and they go together too much. And sometimes an administrator, if he gets, gets in the flesh, he says, you do this and you do that. And he's barking orders all over the place. And some people don't want to follow along because they're ask, he's asking too much of them. You know, so it's important that we uh, all walk with the Lord as we go through these things. You can study these things out. It's important. But the administrator works sometimes uh, behind the scenes. He's, he, he can be up front if he has to be, but he'd just as soon be behind the scenes making things happen. The leader just loves to be up front all the time. He doesn't care too much about the details. This is the big picture. The administrator says this is the big picture, but we also got to think about these little things underneath it as well. So we need those people. And you need them in the business world. You need them in, in a church. Uh, you kind of really need them in a home as well to make things happen. Then go to the next page, teaching. Teaching. Again, these are people we need. Uh, these people are, they go into depth, in depth in what they, uh, they study. And then they want to share everything that they have learned in their study. And they want to share everything. And they're good at ex expressing things and revealing truth. So that people can understand it. Uh, there may be, they, they're the kind of people who like to get into the words and into the, the languages and, and study these things out and get to all the nitty gritty details and then can explain it in such a way that, oh, that's what that means. Now I understand it. But sometimes the, the, the weakness is that sometimes they get into so much detail and that, that the other people who don't understand all the details kind of get overwhelmed like whoa that's a lot of information it's like drinking from a fire hydrant they're bringing so much information to me and uh, but we need these kind of people we need them because you you can't make right decisions sometimes if you don't know what the information is 
And so we need teachers like this. Uh, and it's kind of tied in with this gift of knowledge underneath there. Knowledge is kind of where they love to just dig down deep. They're studious. A lot of times these people, the people that have this gift of knowledge, they, they, would, they would just as soon sit in the library as to sit in a baseball stadium. Just sit there and read and read and read and look things up on the, on the. Uh, do they still do that that with that fish thing, microfish? Yeah, they have, so you see, I spend a lot of time in there. All right, the microfish. They want to look things up on the microfish. Dig down deep in the computers, do the cross referencing, and uh, and and then they read all the fine print at the bottom of the page, and uh, they know who wrote it and when it came out, and uh, and how many pages are in the book, and they get all this stuff memorized. And they know all this stuff, and they just they, 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 they just are a wealth of information. They're like a walking encyclopedia. And uh, we need these people. They enjoy discovering intricate details of an area of study. They want to know everything. And uh, some of us say, just give me the big picture. Let's go. But they, they, these people, they know everything. And when you run into something and you say, how did that work? They know how it works. And they can tell you how that fits fits together, and uh, they have this like this key of knowledge. Uh, but the the weakness is they dig so deeply that sometimes they get into all the all the minutia and they miss the big picture of what's happening. And uh, and uh, so so again, we need each other to put all this together. Okay. And and listen, I hope that you understand as I'm describing these things. I'm not trying to cast a negative light on them. I'm just, under, I'm just trying to tell you there's a positive and there's a negative. And if you have any of these gifts, you need to be aware that there's a positive and negative in these things. And you need to ask God to help you to focus on that positive part where you have given that gift to the Lord and that you're letting him use the gift for him. All right? So that you don't let your personality or yourself or your pride or your opinions get in the way. All right? You have to be able to set it aside. Page seven, wisdom, wisdom. Uh, this is a practical person. I think of certain authors that I pick up and I go, wow, everything that guy says, it just clicks like that. It just makes sense. Or I'll hear somebody preach and I'll say, whoa, I never thought of it that way, but yes, that's it. I know that's right. They have great wisdom. They're very practical. I, I know what to do with this now because they've given me this, this thing. The guy with knowledge, he's got all this knowledge, but he doesn't always know what to do with it. Uh, you kind of need to tie knowledge and wisdom together because wisdom takes all this knowledge and says, no, no, this is the practical side of this thing. This is how you actually act this out. He understands how to apply everyday situations. Now, sometimes he can oversimplify these things. I've heard some of these preachers, they get up and they preach and everything is, it sounds like a sound bite. It's always really pithy. And when you get to the end, you go, that sounded really good, but I don't know what he meant. And, uh, and, I don't, and, and all of that. I'm not sure he knew what he was talking about. But it sure sounded good. So we have to be able to kind of put all of this together. Uh, but the guy with wisdom, he can say, this is the way we ought to go. That's a bad way. Uh, there's another way that you might want to consider. But I think this is the way we should go. Okay? Then you have this gift of prophecy. Prophecy. These are important people too. Um, Pastor Ennis and I talk about different preachers we know. And again, I'm talking about preachers. That's my world, okay? You apply this where you need to apply it. But there are some preachers who are like watchdogs. And they, 
they see things and they they know the truth and they're ready to stand up and speak out loudly and declare and proclaim the truth. Now, in the Old Testament, we had prophets. Old Testament prophets were inspired at that time by God to write a lot of the Old Testament books. This is a different thing today. We don't have, we're not adding to the scripture. Proverbs uh, and Revelation tells us we have all the scriptures we need. So we don't have to add to the scriptures at all. But these people are very grounded in truth, and they, they're very bold to stand up and speak the truth. And sometimes they can come across very harsh. Sometimes they can kind of be in your face, and you're, you don't know whether you want to listen to them or not. But if they're right, they're right. And you need to understand that, and you need to accept it. And uh, they are able to declare truth without fear. They don't care what anybody says. That's the truth, and I'm going to tell it to you. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, I just don't care. This is what, this is what the God, God's Word has said. And so uh, sometimes these people can cause a lot of friction and a lot of trouble because they're, 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 they're very bold, and they're very opinionated, and they're very loud. And, uh, but at the same time, they're right sometimes. And they're oftentimes very right. And we need to listen to them when they speak. Let's go to the next page, page 8. Discernment. Discernment. This is a gift that uh, you can kind of catch things really quickly. Somebody says something to you and you're paid attention. You, you, you clue in on them and you say, that doesn't sound right. I don't know. They're, they're not telling me the truth. They're stretching it. They're twisting things, and I can tell. And somebody else might be listening to them and say, oh, that sounds really good. And they say, no, that's just not right. And they have this ability to discern between truth and error. And, uh, and they can very quickly catch these things. They're very perceptive. Uh, they're very, they, they understand God's word, and they, they translate what everybody says. Well that, well, that doesn't match up with the Bible. That doesn't match up. And... Uh, Sometimes they're vocal. Sometimes they just walk away. Nah, that's not true. I'm not paying attention to that person. And they don't necessarily want to get in a fight, but they just, nah, I'm not on board with that. And they'll walk away. A weakness that they have, and I know people like this, uh, they're sometimes critical and quick to judge. And not only to quick what people are quick to judge what people are doing, but they judge their motives too. Well, we don't know motives, but we know what people are doing. And so we have to be careful that we discern between truth and error not between trying to figure out why they do what they do because only God and the person who's doing it knows why they're doing what they're doing okay important important people we need these people again they are they're kind of like the prophets they can see right and wrong pretty quickly and uh, whereas the prophet will speak out sometimes the discerner will just eh, I'm, I'm not in just walk away okay exhortation the next one down Again, the exhorter. Les Olola talks about this guy. The exhorter is the guy who sees somebody with a problem and he gets, sits down and writes an outline out and gives it to him and says, this is how you take step one, step two, step three, and how you get out of this and how you get this, this, this problem fixed. Okay? Uh, they usually are encouragers. They love to just go in and just encourage people. They just love to make people uh, see, see what they could be, not what they are right now see where they could go, not where they are right now, see how this could be turned around to go in a good situation. 
and they know how to apply truth to help others follow Christ. But sometimes they just talk too much and they give too much advice. And sometimes their advice turns into their opinion and rather than just being what the Bible has said and what, what God's truth is. And they have, uh, they have great uh, abilities to communicate to people and, uh, and help people come along. So you see these things? All right. A shepherd, page nine, a shepherd. Again, a shepherd now, this is, this is not, oftentimes we think of a shepherd, we think of the pastor. And the pastor who leads a group of people, lead, leads a church. But even within a church, there can be other people who have ability to shepherd. Like a Sunday school teacher or somebody who works with the young people, or somebody who oversees the church choir. They have the ability to take a group of people and they're all like sheep and they all want to do something, but they don't really know where to go. But a shepherd can kind of round them together and they, and they call them and, they say, and the people follow them because they know that the shepherd has their best interests at heart and they're able to help them along. They build trust with the other people. And the other people willingly follow this person. The shepherds, a leader will sometimes get in line. I'm going to chew you out if you don't. Whereas a shepherd just says, no, come on, let's go. And let's go this way. And a shepherd and an exhorter are a lot alike. They kind of fit together. Um, but uh, the problem with shepherding is that sometimes people trust them so much that, that they take advantage of the people. And uh, they abuse them. And they uh, sometimes... Uh, I guess for using the analogy, they fleece the sheep rather than help the sheep, and they take things from people and they and they uh, they use people rather than lead people. See the difference there? Are you all with me? You're staring at me, and I'm going. I'm hoping you're getting this. I'm hoping this make this is helpful to you. Okay. Uh, and again, we're not reading a lot of scripture verses. I've just studied this stuff out so that you can kind of understand these these terms. Okay. Normally, there's a whole lot more scripture in these lessons, but. But I think this is helpful to you. I hope it is. Uh, the spiritual gift of faith. Again, um, Scripture says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So this is somebody who has great trust in the Word of God. They believe it wholeheartedly. And if God's Word says it, it's true. It may not make sense. And you may not know how it's going to work. But God said it was going to be all right, and so I'm going to follow God. And when they go through trouble or difficulties come, or they see somebody else who's in trouble, they say, listen, here's a scripture passage that says we're going to get through this. And they have great faith, and they don't waver, and they usually don't get down in the dumps. They just kind of stick with it and keep with the stuff, and they keep going. And other people who don't have this great gift look at them and go, how do you keep moving? I don't understand how you're doing this. Well, some of that is developed through trials. And you, you've been through some things and you see how God got you through the past thing. So the next thing is a little easier to get through. So it can be developed a little bit. And we all need to have faith. Because the Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. But for some people it's easier. I, maybe, I don't know, easier, maybe not be the right word. More natural. They're, they're, they're quicker to trust God than other people are okay and uh and sometimes just like that picture it looks you look at that person you say you are leaning a ladder on a cloud and it looks it looks insane it looks just impossible but that cloud remember is god and his word and you're leaning on that and it's not going to give way 
Okay? They live fearlessly in the face of insurmountable situations. And if they're not careful, though, if they're not walking with the Lord, they can just be foolish and just they trust everybody. And they can be kind of gullible and taken over if they're not careful. So we have to be careful of that and, uh, and do it the way God wants it done and not just the way our personality may want it done. Page 10, the next one here, evangelism. Evangelism. Oh, my goodness. I, I've got a brother who's got this gift. I got a brother with a couple years ago he had he bought a pickup truck down in South Carolina we were in in Indiana at the time and he said can you go with me to go get that truck and so we drove one of his pickup trucks from Indiana to South Carolina and we stopped at gas stations along the way we stop at the gas stations and I'm fueling trucks he goes in the gas station and leads three people to Christ in the gas station I don't know how he does that and, 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 and genuinely just has this ability to see people and just, you know, he walks in a gas station, somebody's reading the Bible. What? And that never happens to me, but it always happens to him. You guys know what you're reading? Oh, no, I don't know what I'm reading. It's like Philip in the Bible. And he, he leads the guy to Christ and he gets him baptized in the sink in the back of the building. No, I don't know. He doesn't do that. But, but the, the idea is it's just everywhere he goes, he's leading people to Christ. And it takes me a long time to do that. I want to work with people a lot bit and all that. And, and so I just, I, I'm excited about people like that. They have a dynamic personality. Everybody says, wow, listen to that guy preach. Or wow, look at that lady. She's going through the bus. Somebody got stabbed on the bus. And so she's going there witnessing to everybody else on the bus. That if, you die, if you got stabbed, would you go to heaven? I, I know we, we've got a lady in the church that does that. She's got this gift of evangelism. It's an amazing, it's an amazing talent. It just, it blows me away. But, uh, but sometimes evangelists, and I've, I've been with them, uh, I had one, one evangelist and pastor, they were dear friends, and the evangelist would say, well, we led 75 people to the Lord this last week. And the pastor says to him, all right, let's see them in a year, see if they're still around. So sometimes an evangelist, the danger is that they, they count heads and they notch their Bible because I, that guy prayed and that guy prayed and that guy prayed and that lady prayed and this happened and that happened wow, 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 wow. And they get very excited about that. But they forget that our job is not only to lead people to Christ, but to disciple them and bring them along. So that's why we need evangelists, but we also need pastors. See the difference. Uh, and uh, and uh, how this goes. Uh, weaknesses, sometimes they're more interested in collecting converts than in making disciples. That's a weakness that they have. And uh, But they do see a lot of people make decisions for the Lord, and they hear the gospel. A lot of people hear the gospel because of these people. Wonderful, wonderful gift that they have. Apostleship. Now, this is one we don't have a lot of. Okay? Uh, I don't think there's a lot of apostles in our world today. Uh, there definitely are not apostles in the form of the scripture definition. The apostle uh, Paul talks about those who have seen the Lord face to face, 1 Corinthians 9.1. That's none of us. The Lord's been in heaven for 2,000 years, and uh, none of us have seen him that way. But the Apostle Paul did, and the 12 disciples, the 12 apostles did. And they were the leaders of the founding of the church. And so, in a sense, today, the apostles, I think, would be, if somebody has this ability, they would be like a church planter. Somebody who can take the gospel into an area where nobody's ever been with the gospel. And they're bold, and they're able to go into that area and get something started uh, from nothing. Uh, missionaries, I think, a lot of times have this ability to go into a foreign country, learn a foreign language, learn a foreign culture, 
and just take the gospel to them and get things started. And they found churches and they begin ministries. And then other people come along and carry them on beyond them. And uh, so they're, they're very, very strong, strong leaders with a real desire to get the gospel into areas that are, that are, um, that are un- unreached. And the weakness, and I've seen this as well on the mission field, they can become lone rangers who don't like accountability. And so um, they, they sometimes will come off with some half-cocked ideas and, uh, and, and to get themselves in trouble because uh, they, they're out there doing their thing and uh, everybody looks at them and says, That's, you're, you're getting off track and you're just, you're just wanting to lead a group. And, you're, and, and, uh, and it, the danger is that can become like cultic if, uh, if, they, if they don't have someone who keeps holding them back to the scriptures and holding them back to truth. And, uh, and holding them accountable for the way they act. All right, page 11, next one here. And we're getting close to the end of time. Are you still with me? All right, okay, okay. All right, I just hope this is helpful to you. Service helps. I think this is a lot of people in our church. I just, I, I, I'm so happy we have a group of people like this, a lot of people in the church, this, whose gift is basically they're selfless, they give of themselves, uh, they're, they're ready to cook lunch and mingle. They're ready to set tables up and take them down and sweep floors and, and, and do all kinds of uh, things that seem menial. But without them, everything kind of falls apart. Uh, without them, fellowship doesn't happen. Without them, uh, other people, new people, don't, don't feel part like a part of things. Uh, and they have this ability to just step in. They're willing servants, working hard to help every way they can. Boy, these are just very helpful people, wonderful people to have around. The problem is they don't know how to say no. And they volunteer for everything. And they go until they just drop. And sometimes they get discouraged and they just quit. And they quit everything altogether because they're so tired and so discouraged and so worn out. People who have this gift need to learn how to pace themselves and say, I can take this on, but I can't take that on. We live in a little apartment, and, uh, and as most of you do, a little, a little place. And so I, I, I set up a habit. Every time I get a new shirt, an old one goes out the door. Okay? Get a new pair of pants, an old one goes out the door. And I throw mine out, not my wife's. Okay? All right? So... But the idea is, the idea is, there's some things that I'm going to hang on to, and there's some things I'm going to let go. And, and and when it comes to this idea of being selfless, you do have to pace yourself. You got to take on some things, and you got to let some things go, and somebody else can pick that up if they need, if that's if that's their burden. And if it doesn't get picked up, then maybe nobody needs to pick it up. Okay, so just let things go, and let the Lord lead you into this as. So you know what you do and what you don't do. Let's go to the next one. Mercy. I'll be honest with you. Every time I take this test, the people who give this the survey look at me and say, what's wrong with you? You have no mercy. That's, 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 my weakest, that's my weakest gift. And it's not that I don't care. It's just that if I know somebody's in hurt and I know somebody else is going to take care of it, so I'm on to something else, you know. But this idea of somebody with mercy, they care a lot. And they, they just seem to ooze with care. These are people, we have them in our church. I have them, I've seen them. And I've, I've, I've discussed them with them. I've, 
I've been I've been sitting here talking to one person, and somebody with the gift of mercy would kind of come up, kind of tug on my jacket, and say, "Pastor, did you see this person over there? They're really hurting. Can you go over and talk to them?" Oh, oh, they are. Okay, all right, I'll go talk to them. You know, but they notice those things, and sometimes I don't because I'm so busy doing other things. I'm thankful for people like this because we need them all. We all tie together like this. We help each other. We help each other a lot. They have wise insight into the needs of others. Now, sometimes they're very gullible. And every, and I don't mean this in a negative way totally, but every single person on the street has got their hand out. They've got to give them something. You know what I mean? You've got to be careful of that. We don't want to be so hard-hearted that we don't care, but nor do we want to be so gullible that we give everything away to somebody who has able-bodied and could go to work and do their take care of themselves, or already has been given something, and they're just asking for more so they can collect it for themselves. Okay? And you and I live in a city like this where we could all have stories, couldn't we? All right? So we have to have uh, care, but we need to be wise. All right, page 12, and we're getting close to the end of time, and we're going to hit these last two ones quickly. Giving, giving. This is the person who has the ability to just give, and they, they are grateful to give, and they, they're so thankful that they have the ability to give. And I like what it says here, and it says here, they, the, the, their gift of giving also involves the gift of getting. Some people would give you the shirt off of their back, and then they have nothing else to give. But these people with the gift of giving, the Lord somehow blesses them with the ability to make money, uh, the ability to gather things. I know of a pastor uh, up up north. I don't know how he does it. He drives all over the state and picks it with a van and a trailer, and he picks up stuff from like Starbucks that are going out of business, and grabs all the furniture and puts it in a in a barn that he's got. And then he hears about somebody else who needs it, and he loads it up and he takes it over to them. And he has this wonderful gift of stewardship of all these resources, and he's very helpful to people. It's not just money. Sometimes it is, it is used things. Sometimes it is just gathering things for the purpose of helping someone else. Uh, I, think of, I think of Jan Milton, the guy who runs that Operation Renewed Hope. He gathers things, and he puts it on an airplane and sends it to the mission field and helps them. He manages all these. He's a wonderful steward of resources. It's a wonderful gift. They manage resources for the best outcome for everyone involved. The problem is sometimes they, they have these resources and they say, yeah, I don't like you, I'm not giving you anything. And they use it to kind of control things. I'll give you the money if you do it my way. See what I'm saying? So we have to be careful of these things. All of these gifts have strengths and weaknesses. And then there's this one of hospitality. One of, it's just welcoming. They're the kind of people, that, they're always walking around hugging people. Uh, they, they, have this, they have this wonderful gift of just loving on people and, and making people feel at home. Uh, that's a great gift to have in a local church. Somebody new comes in, they're walking in, they're going, who are all these strange people? What are they going to do to me? Uh, what are they going to take away from me? And this, this person with this gift of hospitality walks in and says, well, hello, it's good to see you here. I'm so glad. Come and sit with me. And they make them feel at home. And, uh, and then they make sure they know where to go, where the bathrooms are, and you know, where lunch and mingle is, and where the trash cans are, and where to park, and all this. They know all this stuff. 
and they have this wonderful ability. And if they have a home, they have a wonderful ability to have a nice home that's well decorated. It might all be used stuff they got at the Goodwill, but they know how to make it look like a palace. And people just feel at home when they come there. And uh, it's a wonderful gift that people have. And it can be used for evangelism. It can be used for encouragement. It can be used for counseling, a lot of things. It's a wonderful talent. So these are just many of the gifts. There are other gifts in the scriptures. There are other gifts. But these are just the ones we're taking the time to define because these are the ones I think most of us would have and, and, uh, and, and find a place to use it. Is this helpful to you? Is it? Okay, so... So now, roll these things around in your mind. If you, if you think, maybe my gift is giving, read a little bit more about that and understand that. My gift is profit. All right, read a little bit more about that. Now, how to use it well. How to use it properly. Uh, I want to move away from the, the gifts thing. I want to move into more ministry things and other things besides that as well. But if I can personally help you to find a place to use your gift, I'm happy to do that. I want to do that. And uh, it's, uh, it's a, you, you want to make a pastor happy and say, hey, I want to do something. Boy, that's just, that's like saying stick them to a hound dog, you know. And uh, we're ready to go. All right? So let's look at that last verse, uh, uh, bottom of page 12. Now you are Christ's body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. You are Christ's body and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles and gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. All are not apostles, are they? Are All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healings, do they? Do All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? But desire earnestly the greater gifts. And I show you a still more excellent way. And then he goes into chapter 13. And anybody know what chapter 13 is about? All right. He says it's okay for you to have your gift. But if you look at those first four verses of chapter 13, it says, if I do this without love, I'm a zero with a ring rubbed out. I get nothing in heaven. So the motivation behind using your gift it's not to show off what you can do. It's not to bring praise to yourself. It's not to say, hey, look at me. That's about, I just want to use my gift for the Lord. And I love the Lord. And I love the people we're working with. And I want to get something done for the glory of the Lord and to help these people along. Love is the motivation behind it all. Have you determined to use your gift to help God's work advance? It's really important that you do. Let's close with a word of prayer. You would stand with me so I'll know you're awake. All right. Thank you for listening. And we'll get on to some other things in the future. Father, thank you so much for the way that you have made each one of us. We are unique. We are different. We have different abilities and giftings and talents. Help us to learn to appreciate each other's differences. And to understand that this is your business it's not ours help us not to judge other people who are different than us but to find ways to encourage them to use their gifts for you and Lord would you unite your people together and make us a firm solid body of believers who serve here in this church and for others who are in other churches who are watching I pray Lord that you help them to use their gifts in those churches 
And uh, Lord, accomplish what you want done in your work through us as individuals using our gifts for you. We'll thank and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.